welcome to Web3 Galaxy Brain. My name is Nicholas, and each week I have a conversation with some of the brightest minds building Web3. On today's episode, I'm joined by Weiju Weiju and Anna, who are building Interface, a human-readable social Web3 feed. At the time of recording, Interface is an iOS and Android app that lets you follow wallets and scroll through an infinite feed of their recent activity. It's a great way to see recent swaps, mints, and transfers, and over time, the team is building richer indexing and transaction parsing to show things like snapshot votes, mirror blog posts, and their most recent feature, Gnosis multi-sig signatures. In this interview, Anna and Weiju describe how they found their passion for decentralization, their process for fundraising and building Web3 apps in public, and their long-term plans for building a sustainable, open-source, public goods DAO that generates revenues for token holders. This is a great team and an episode not to be missed. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, Weiju and Anna, to the podcast. How are you doing today? Great. Hello. How are you? <laughs> good, good, yeah. good. So today we're going to talk all about your project uh, interface app. But first, I want to know a little bit about you. Tell me, how did each of you get into crypto in the first place? Maybe, maybe Weiju, you can go first and then Anna. Okay, sure. Uh, so I got in crypto back in the previous cycle, 2017. And uh, I got first introduced by Juan Bennett's uh, conference video about like IPFS on I think DEFCON 1 or something like this. And so basically it's the first time I kind of um, understood and saw all the progress on decentralized uh, storage and such. And back and straight after that, I landed on Ethereum.org page. And then, yeah, it just... Um, I think I got really overwhelmed with all the potentials of technologies and coming with from the background from the country with, that had been degrading and like cutting all the censorship and et cetera. So I could really understand all the benefits of decentralized architecture that could then enable us like to prevent such uh, abuses of power and so on. So there was like a lot of, I would say, triggers hit me straight away. And I just kept, since then, I always can been just conceptualizing, thinking how such things could be applied for the good and able to because public chains do possess this power that they can be used for both good and bad. Very true. Uh, and actually, we met originally hanging out uh, around Juicebox. Uh, I know you were working a little bit on some Dune dashboards uh, for a little while over at Juicebox. Are there any other projects that you contributed to along your journey? Yeah, so back in 2017, I spent a lot of time doing bounces on Gitcoin. Uh, that's basically immediately after I kind of touched, as I previously mentioned, the, on technologies. And I was not technical back then, so it basically triggered my, like, in, I just went out to learn code because I wanted to participate in what I perceived as, like, a huge uh, civilization-enabling technology. So I went to learn code and then started contributing doing bounties on uh, Gitcoin. So I started, like, doing bounties. It, it was Balance Wallet back then. It was, like, Rick Barton. It, now it's um, Rainbow, but back then I was balance then there was this life peer so i was doing like small like uh, just bounties for like in the, for writing their apps etc and playing around with like uh, various other things that we just built with our like the friend whom i met who was also like into crypto back then and yes yeah, so then i went to traditional tech companies uh, product companies for like next two years and then at the end of 2020 i got back start building things like on top of Uniswap to just to get some alpha for the liquidities and etc. Then I contributed um, and kind of just joined, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, this is like a NFT marketplace that distributes 
portion of the sales to the public goods. It's on Polygon. It's um, doing good. And I helped them do the Web3 integrations. And in the meantime, I was just like, yeah, building various tools and contributing to things like Juicebox, et cetera, writing, doing queries for various projects. Yeah, just trying and helping wherever I found interesting, like governance, uh, doing analytics, whatever, what was. Yeah, I know uh, Manu from Doing Good, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's Manu Alzuru, if anyone is curious. Uh, And it's uh, at Doing, D-O-I-N-G-U-D-H-Q on Twitter. Uh, that's cool. And Anna, how did you get involved first? How long have you been thinking about crypto ideas? To be honest, I'm still very new. So uh, basically, I met Viju. Uh, it's funny to call him by, by that name, but okay, I met him uh, in 2020. And basically, he was like telling me uh, about this crypto thing and Ethereum and everything. And I think I, I didn't do much back then. I just got my first Ethereum wallet and maybe a few NFTs, not sure. Uh, and then I think half a year or maybe like a year ago already, uh, Vizu started his uh, journey with uh, Uniswap and Uniletters. And I was helping him out with uh, pop-ups and um, like the cover images for the, for the letters. And then, yeah, I did a few pop-ups as well for uh, Uniswap community calls, which I loved. I loved a lot. Like, I love doing pop-ups. It's like my best hobby so far. And then we started um, Interface, and now I'm designing stuff at Interface. Can you explain? I, I didn't quite catch the Uniswap letters and pop-up piece. What was that project you were working on? Oh, maybe. I don't know if you know, but uh, Visual Visual was curating Uniletters. So it's like bi-weekly emails about everything that's happening with Uniswap or something like that. And I was helping him out with the, with the like visuals. So the cover image, I, I was doing them. And then, yeah, sometimes he was also offering pops. So I was helping him out with that as well. Awesome. So you, you still feel like it's, crypto is new to you? basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I still understand maybe like half, no, not even half, I don't know, like 30% of what's going on. But I think it's actually really helpful uh, when designing what we are designing right now, because I'm like a non-crypto native, so it's good to be in this mindset, I think. And I think actually interface was kind of partially, kind of, the idea was to build interface also because to onboard, like, because Anushka was like, uh, it's hard to send to send somebody an ether scan and like expect them somebody from outside the space to actually make sense what's inside of it. So yeah, that was also I think one of the kind of trigger points behind building the interface, just so that you can send somebody something readable who cannot navigate navigate and make sense what is happening within the ether scan transaction. Okay, so we might as well jump right in. So for people who are listening to this who haven't yet played with the app, what is interface? So an interface is uh, an application, right? In its current form, problem we're trying to solve is to infuse like uh, Web3 and uh, everything that is happening on chain and uh, around the chain with your, that is affiliated with your public address. So we're trying to make it discoverable and readable. So this is like the essence of what we're trying to solve. So because we see that a lot of things, the transaction, they are underneath, there is a lot of things that are happening. So the transaction could be a vote on the governance proposal. It could be the proposal itself. It could be in like an NFT. It could be a swap. It could be a, some deposit into a protocol. It could be a transfer to another chain. 
Uh, it could be anything because it's uh, the Ethereum enables people to code whatever they want and whatever like they come up with. So there is like limitless possibilities. And current space kind of lacked a little bit on this uh, covering everything. So there was like a, a initial error what we perceive was Bitcoin was like era of block explorers that kind of just um, showed you the transaction. Then there was DeFi uh, era when the, there were uh, different platforms that were trying to solve the financial aggregations, building up the balances and so on. And now like last year and a half, I would say probably, uh, there's been a lot more happening within the space. So there's like a mirror had popped up, a lot of uh, visual uh, NFT marketplaces, uh, uh, music, assets, uh, governance been growing, etc. So a lot more other activities have kind of spun up within the space and those require those activities and sectors require different means of communication or what is actually happening and uh, another point this is what this what i meant by readability and another one is discoverability so for one person to find like opportunities find content discover etc there is like a enormous problem with finding people to follow by finding uh, new opportunities in different spaces, discovering new artists, discovering new music, discovering events, reading new publications, uh, getting notified when there's a new proposal has happened, when you get bidded or you get outbidded, etc. Depending on what what means we're talking about, what platforms and activities. And uh, this is like the second part that we're trying to solve so that make the Web3 natively surfable so that you can kind of keep using interface. Uh, yeah, now we can go slightly to the actual interface as of today. So today it's more like we kind of approach with um, a readability first. So we introduce the feed that is basically the activities of the people you follow. So we kind of started with a very simple social graph. So you just add people and wallets basically and follow them. And thus you get like a, a chronological fit of all activities they do. You get like notified when they do something, etc. And this is like our first uh, initial piece of discovering. So that is like based off social graph. But then it, you could go into like token graphs, like depending on what assets you hold, you will be able to discover people who are in the same communities. Because like NFTs could be underneath, they could mean uh, anything, right? So for example, if we we're talking about communities, then uh, a lot of like the current era of NFTs, uh, like 19, I don't know how, what percentage, but majority of them are essentially a communities, right? So they're just identities for the communities and whatever they're building, whether they're going for metaverse, they're building their own laws, et cetera. But uh, those are communities. And so when you possess one of the pieces of uh, items from this community, it means like you're a part of this community. So it makes sense for you to discover somebody else who is with you, but you might not see them because he's right next to you. He holds this token. But for now, it's not that trivial to find the holder or like your member. And yeah, same goes to for like Gnosis, say, for example, juice box. When there is like um, people who are signing the safe for the DAO, it's, I think it's pretty cool to just go and see who, who are these people, uh, whether you can trust them, make sense of their possessions, what they hold, what their activity been. So can you trust this multi-six signer? and etc. So yeah, I think I touched, uh, yeah, yeah a lot, but you yeah, get every single time we talk, I end up, uh, DMing, we do, uh, feature requests, uh, <laughs> too many feature requests. And as you're talking about this, the thing that I want right away is, you know, show me like my most highly correlated other wallets with that have the same assets that I own. 
show me the people to follow who already have what I have or have what I have and what they're doing right now. It seems like maybe they're going to be the ones most likely to, to know what I want to buy next. But also, as you're saying, even just like, you know, who are all the token holders of, I don't know, Zorbs or something. I, if I have a bunch of Zorbs, show me other people who have Zorbs, even simpler ones. There's so many, so many features that you're going to be able to create here that are exciting. I know when we first started talking about the project before I had access to the app long before I was uh, saying, you know, maybe focus on like NFT alpha, uh, which there are other tools out there that, that cover. But what's interesting about interface as it is today, at least, is it's much broader. It's not even just strictly on-chain actions. It's things like potentially like snapshot votes or uh, signing on multi-sigs, things that happen off-chain, but that have some relationship to this public wallet address that you can access publicly. So it's really not just on-chain data. It's really more like on-chain identity. And then what you do with that, that anybody can see via some API, via snapshot or what have you, that interface can access and surface. So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I guess I just want to give people a little bit, uh, a summary, a little bit of what it looks like in case they haven't seen it. It looks kind of like Twitter if every single tweet on Twitter was an action taken by a wallet that you follow. So it's like follow model Etherscan is kind of the really simple uh, stripped down way of describing it. And it's on iOS and Android. I haven't played with the Android one yet. But you've told me that it's it's actually feature complete uh, relative to the iOS one and maybe even ahead in some respects. Yes, that is true. We're all for inclusive inclusivity. So, <laughs> uh, sorry, I just have to say that sometimes our Android developer works faster than our iOS developer. That's why there is uh, competition. There are differences, yeah. But last time, last feature we released, like Gnosis Safe, we kind of first time we tried to make it like a, as a proper like feature release, so we kind of synchronize them publish them to the all the beta test at the same time and then they released also like a small preview video which was pretty like cool compared to what we used to do initially just dropping some screen recordings of uh, <laughs> interface i love the preview so, video but I, I want some like pump up music in the background it, it felt like such an energetic video i was like wow this could actually be a kind of popular video for people getting excited about web3 builders during the bear market it was a uh, it's exciting to see i think that's that's part of what makes me excited about this project obviously i love the app which is what gets me excited primarily but uh, second of all seeing you develop it like in real time is pretty exciting uh, are, are you both having fun building it right now me definitely because like while designing these things i learned so much about the space and um you know, about how those things actually work. And then I try to comprehend them and design them in such a way that a person who does not comprehend them that well yet would do that. So that's like, I'm having a lot of fun, definitely. Awesome. Yeah, maybe you could talk a little bit more about what the design process is like for this, uh, both from your perspective as feeling fresh to Web3, but also just generally, like, what is it like designing a project like this? Is it how do you manage all the possibilities and what's the process like? It's definitely chaotic because we come up with new features daily, if not hourly. And then we get requests from <laughs> you, from them, <laughs> from others. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of work and a lot of changes because there are obviously some technical lim limitations that we have to take into account, at least at this stage. But yeah, what we do, we look at the common UX patterns that already exist in apps like Twitter, in, I don't know, Instagram, whatever. We try to use them in some ways that are already familiar to our users, but also adapt them to Web3 space. Got it. 
so my perception from playing with the test flight version on iOS, which anybody who's listening to this can go and bother them on their Twitter or their website and sign up for the, the beta, no doubt. But my perception is that you're starting by indexing uh, everything that's happening on chain and maybe importing some API related data. And then you have all these transactions. And by default, they're tagged as uh, did something, uh, this kind of like generic something happened. And then over time, you're like going through and refining the display of these generic sort of undefined transactions and creating custom UI that makes that particular type of transaction look really nice in the interface. Is that is that something like what the process is like? So it's like uh, we begin with uh, plain side. We have some generalized decoders, so like to decode certain pieces, for example, all the ERC-20, ERC-721s, and 1155s. All the transfers that they, we can support, like we wrote like some certain algorithms that basically enable to show the, what was the importance of the transfer within this application. So some of the things like NFT swaps and etc. means they work out of the box because they're following certain standards and it's pretty easy to detect based on like just certain parameters. Uh, then what you mentioned regarding did something, this is like um, basically undefined the uh, name of the function. So right now we're only supporting the, the function call signature. So this is like a four eight bit of initial like four eight bytes of uh, data you're calling when you're calling the fun- any contract. And uh, so we are kind of just labeling those. So it's like a four byte. If you don't know this, you know this registry by I forgot the guy's name, but there is like a registry of all the human readable formats of. Um, these four bytes, so it's like approval, all those kind of things, but we're kind of making them in past sense and more like into it, even better readability. That's four byte dot directory. If anyone is curious, four byte dot directory, you can put in the first four bytes of any transaction, the data passed with the transaction on chain, on any EVM chain at least, and it'll uh, yeah. show you what the name of the function is that you called. Uh, and this is how exactly. things like Etherscan show you if someone hit mint on a transaction, what they're doing in the background is just decoding using this four byte directory, uh, which maps all of the first four bytes of input data to the function name that it's it represents on the contract. Exactly. So yeah, we wanted to take a step further and just have it even more readable. So from what is happening, and then and eventually will lead to even more because some things like approvals and others like uh, let's say for if you interact with Uniswap, everything is multi-call, so it's like a generalized function call, so there's just passes. So if you're adding liquidity, removing liquidity, doing swap, it's all multi-call. So we're kind of right now still having did something for the Uniswap, but we're already like thinking of the next version, how we're going to implement. So once we go inside the transaction, and not just by the signature call, but, but actually what actually happened, and then we'll introduce things like, for example, if you approve zero, it means you revoked, right? Or if you made a added liquidity, it shouldn't be just multi-call. It should be saying that you added liquidity to Uniswap. And there is like another depth of level when we'll migrate and enrich the readability of the action that was happening in chain. But yeah, there is a lot of labeling there. And we really hope that eventually we'll get this to the public so that it will be open for contributions and that any other platform, any other wallet will be able to uh, kind of bootstrap the readability of those because we perceive a lot of things that we're doing like decoding, labeling as public goods and also they we believe they should be transparent because it requires a lot of um, trust because when, for example if we label some protocol as in like affiliated with uh, Uniswap so if you go to interface we don't say that you swap on some uh, 
unreadable um, name of uh, contract uh, address. We're kind of linking this contract address to the platform that it affiliates with. So it just says really nicely with the Uniswap logo that you have swapped on Uniswap or Yasushi or you deposited to Avi, etc. So here it's kind of the user now kind of have to believe that we're not lying, etc. And that shouldn't be the case because it should be all be transparent and public. But we're kind of iterating a lot and changing things. So we, yeah. Right now, it's a lot of things that we build are kind of closed door, but we believe they should be open. And uh, in many cases, it's actually even not scalable to, let's say, label everything within a small product team, even how good it is, or even if it grows, etc. Things like the such models that don't work. For example, it's like with the encyclopedia, when Wikipedia grew and Microsoft attempt was like, it just died out because it's impossible to keep up. And maybe... One good example, like I really like within the Web3 space is analytical platform, uh, Dune. It enables anyone to write queries and build their own like indexing. So anyone can just write their own index, any contract and make sense of what actually like what's happening, where are the, where is the value or whatever you're trying to make sense of. It's like a tool for anyone to participate. So we're kind of. That's Dune analytics hoping, you're talking about. Yeah, Dune analytics, yeah. I, maybe you could explain a little bit in what ways Dune is open and in what ways Dune is closed, because it is sort of their own platform, right? Yeah, so from perspective of uh, building on top, so they kind of aggregate uh, and make everything SQL into a SQL format, so they can basically having huge uh, databases and everything and making indexing entire chains and thus in enabling other builders to write SQL queries on top. So if you want to build like a write a query, what are the balance, token holder balance for any specific address, ERC20 or anything like that. Literally just go, you can see different dashboards, etc. You can see what the person, it's all public, everyone can just fork each other and build on top of each other, etc. And that's kind of flourish, makes the ecosystem flourish and a lot of things that could be built with like, uh, even without any knowledge of um, the SQL language. And so they are like a centralized entity from perspective of indexing and aggregating and etc. But it's probably uh, impossible to do it other way around for such a amount of data. For example, there's graph that tries to um, do it in decentralized uh, nature, but the data there, data availability is really split between various uh, contracts, protocols and indexers. So uh, if you want to build, have a generalized access to everything, there I think there is a such a limitation that it has to be kind of centralized because the chain itself is not very indexable and you can't really say like can i like show me all the token holders of uh, this uh, nft collection because it has to be derived from certain either events or traces or it has to be kind of retrospectively built up from the history because chain only holds like the current data within the latest latest block Right. So, so to give people a little summary, basically, if you want to find things like uh, who are the prior owners of this NFT, that's not something that you can just ask, say, MetaMask to go and ask uh, the, the current state of the blockchain right now, who are the prior owners. It's something where you'd have to index every prior block and then use some kind of database that contains all of that index data and look at it globally in order to derive that information. And that's something that Dune offers. It's something that the graph offers in a decentralized way, but it's not, uh, you don't necessarily have the same data availability for the entirety of the chain history with the graph as you do if you are doing it off-chain, like uh, the way Dune does it or the way many different projects are doing it. Zora is doing it. I guess you're thinking about doing your own index as well. I know Context is doing an index. I think 
Rainbow, many different projects have thought about building their own indexer or are sort of sorting out if they're going to rely on somebody else or if they're going to build their own thing in-house. Are, are you thinking about building your own indexer or is it something that you prefer to rely on someone else for? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we building, it's already partially like limited version is done. So as you probably, those people have experience, you see often that new addresses that are being just added by the users. Uh, they're not, they don't have any activities, etc. It's just because we're kind of doing lazy indexing. We don't go for entire chain. And we only index uh, those activities that are kind of intro- people and wallets that are introduced by the users themselves. And uh, so that we don't strain too much infrastructure. But we're already like having parallel uh, kind of deployments and infrastructure for the entire chain indexing. So yeah, we're definitely like, this is like our priority right now because like index everything, the token transfers, build up the balances, etc. Because it will, first of all, if you build in-house certain things, it enables you a lot more like uh, fine-tuning, building features, like fine-tuning to what you need, uh, your actual needs, etc. for your product needs and so on. So yeah, this is what we are doing. And just going back to what we discussed pre- previously, like having a suggestion engine for you to like suggest you like similar people that are having the same token as uh, holdings, that requires you kind of have to know what are the token holders. So you have to kind of, that for, for recommendation engine, you kind of have to rely on those things. Right. Eventually, I think, the space where we live will evolve into such extent that a lot of things that will be living on different protocols, decentralized networks, such as, for example, social graphs. Right now, we build social graphs internally, and it's just like it's stored on Postgres, so the people you follow. So it's really like same as Web2. So it's like you don't really control. You can, I mean, you can retrieve it easily, but you don't. The end user doesn't really control compared to like for your asset. Okay, so I want to ask Anna, what's driving your design thinking? Aside from just making things simple and discoverable for people, where do you think the design of interface is going? Like, ultimately, do you imagine people might be able to make their own transactions from the interface app? Or do you think it's more strictly for discoverability? Do you have any ideas about notifications going forward? Uh, I'm curious what, what you, how you think about the design a little bit more. Uh, yeah, most of what you've mentioned just now is already being designed, so stay tuned, coming soon. We're definitely thinking about integrating some kind of in-app activity, so it's not just discovering stuff, but actually doing some actions, so buying NFTs, participating in auctions, swapping, trading, whatever, because then we could you know, use it as our uh, monetization model and then somehow get some kind of uh, commission from that which is also always useful when you talk to investors to explain how you're going to monetize that. Besides that, notifications, definitely, yes. Uh, as I said, it's being developed now because we see so many um, opportunities in that. So not just uh, if somebody followed you or if somebody performed the transaction or you performed the transaction yourself, uh, but also if we integrate other protocols, for instance, Foundation or Zora, whatever. And if something's happening on their side, we could also notify users within interface so that could be because this um, is a big problem for people actually the i mean to come at it from a slightly different angle i was noticing the other day that uh you pull up the nft transaction metadata much faster than other options so i made i forget what i did i minted something or i purchased uh, i think some lonely pops they were uh, the the floor was like 25 bucks or something and i bought a few of them and they showed up right away in uh, interface and i was really happy to see them because my wallet and some other tools that i use didn't show the images uh, and i wanted to see all the things that i had collected right away 
So I, I found myself doing this thing, which I'm doing more and more. Also, it happens in other kinds of transactions like uh, limit orders on matcha. I don't know if those are being indexed currently, but these kind of transactions where you maybe set it with low gas or it's a signature for a listing on an NFT marketplace or something like that. And you don't know if it, you know, it's not something that's going to go through immediately either because it has low gas or it was just a signature, like giving permission for something to happen. And then I get the notification later on, uh, maybe the same day, maybe in the future about my own wallet. So I'm not only following other people's wallets, I end up actually following my own wallet on Interface. So it seems like there's all kinds of other information that I'm going to be looking at Interface for, and I even get them, I'm a dork and I have an Apple Watch, so I even get the notifications on my Apple Watch currently. I haven't yet turned it off. Luckily, I get them silently. But it seems like there's all kinds of activities that are happening that I'm otherwise not aware of unless you sign up for, I don't know, Etherscan email notifications or something clunky like that, where Interface can actually be something like the notification uh, layer that is missing for a lot of Web3 stuff. So what I think Anna is also mentioning regarding like integrating custom notification for specific platforms. So for example, of uh, let's say ENS, right? So you'll get notified when your ENS is about to expire. So if we're talking about foundation, when you get outbidded or you have received a bid, you'll also get notified. When like we're talking about OpenSea and all sorts of marketplaces, same with that. So when you get bids, etc., you'll get kind of those kind of notifications. So we're kind of trying to also take the essence of what uh, these protocols are doing, what entities we're working with, and then build notifications on top of that, integrate. But this is like the future. And actually, you are one of the lucky ones because I think you're following yourself, right? So you you sign in with another wallet and you're following yourself. And right now, it's uh, like, it's we don't actually support these new wallets. <laughs> I think we don't, we don't notify for your own wallet, but this is uh, coming in a big uh, update that oh, I think I th- will be next week. I think it's because I have so many wallets. I'm logged in with whatever wallet is on my phone, which I hope gets changed in the future so I can log in with a, a MetaMask wallet or a, a hardware wallet would be cool. Although it doesn't really matter. I guess basically right now the model is that the data of who you're following is associated with the wallet that's connected. But besides that, given that you can't initialize any transactions, it doesn't really matter which wallet you're logged in with, aside from that the people you're following are associated with it right now. And also, yeah, well, there will be a lot more going forward, we like looking to interact with the chain. Like, so we'll probably start with something simple as in like uh, setting up your avatar or ENS or yeah. buying it. So this will probably be our first write feature that will actually inter- interact with the chain itself. And then we'll build on top from that. But maybe I could also shine a light a little bit on what we're kind of seeing, like how the product will evolve and yeah, absolutely. I want to get into that. Just before we get into that, I see Dame is in the audience. We were talking, all of us, a little bit on Twitter about how Interface really exposes the people who don't have the avatar record set for their ENS because the profile pictures in Interface app are drawn directly from the ENS text records. You can set your avatar uh, on ENS. And I think that makes perfect sense as like the first kind of write transaction because it's so painful seeing that default. Is it a sad face or a happy face? I don't remember which one the default is, but the interface. We call it a, a sad Georgian. Sad Georgian, okay. Yes. <laughs> because the there, don't ask why it has multiple states. Like the app icon right now is the happy one, right? Or it's sort uh, of well, mildly it's happy. Sad, you know. Even though it's mildly happy, it still looks sad. <laughs> so it's sad or more sad, like sadder, sadder. I see. I could, yeah, you can imagine variations on that for illustrating what's happened in the app. If I don't know, a transaction failed or something, or 
if the market is down. I don't know. Exactly. Yes, very scalable uh, phase. So, okay, so we were going to shed some light on what the future of the app is. I, before we say that, I wanted to get into one other thing we kind of touched on a little bit, which is I'm pushing, I want wallet aggregation, but it doesn't sound like that's the future for interface. I'm curious how you think about, you know, people who have multiple wallets or what the data, how you think about associating the data between um, not only who's connected, but also like I know Dame was mentioning the other day, I think um, Dame's art wallet or vault wallet. I can't remember. I think it was the art wallet for the minting uh, that Dame does. So if you follow Dame's main wallet, you don't get to see when there's a new NFT drop. Uh, so how do you think about this wallet question, people with multiple wallets? Yeah, so my understanding is like with Twitter accounts or any other accounts, so you have a different identities. So we kind of perceive uh, the wallet as a, an identity. So it's like has an ENS, etc. It has activity. It's like your reputation. It's what you do. It's what you possess and what you hold. So it's like a standalone sufficient entity that uh, is like. Uh, making actions and so on. And uh, one person might be, if you're having multiple of those, like my one person might be interested in certain actions that he, because uh, I understand a lot of people like splitting different um, kind of actions depending on what they do. So like one for aping into NFTs and to, I don't know, not to, like, not to be like, for example, I have a NFT flipping account that I actually even made deposit to it through the Tornado Cash so that nobody would know what the, what stupid shit I'm doing there. Right. So that's like a, a completely different set of words. But in, within that, you probably will be able to just to not log out and log in, but rather just switch between your various uh, wallets. And yeah, I'm not fully understanding how does like linking various accounts and identity would really make sense from perspective of aggregating, as you mentioned. Yeah. So okay, I'm going to make it even worse for you because what if in the future I change wallets I associate my ENS with a new wallet. So I'm following in the current interface model, I'm following the actual wallet, not the ENS. It looks like I'm following the ENS, but I'm actually following the wallet underneath. And if the ENS changes what wallet it's associated with, I guess maybe maybe there'll be a new, uh, whatever you call them, sort of widget component for the transaction to reassociate the ENS with something new and give me an option to follow the newly associated wallet or something because I'm going to lose the person, basically. Mm, good question, but it's like also what if you somebody possesses your ENS, then it's like your identity will be gone, right? You have to kind of get uh, to the people and tell them that uh, this is no longer Nicholas. It's like not you; it's somebody has possessed it. So it's yeah, true. okay. So that I mean, would be more like the Mike Damaris style, like using a ENS as your ENS only temporarily, and then ultimately giving it to somebody else. You don't want necessarily all of your followers to transition to that new person. It sort of depends. If it's like, like there was this question when, uh, was it 4156, uh, Punk 4156 sold their punk? Is that, uh, I forget who it was, but I think it was them. That, you know, do they keep the Twitter handle or should it go with the punk? And ultimately, you know, I don't know, does the, if you sell the ENS, do you keep the followers or do they go with the ENS? I guess in the current model, they'll stay with the actual wallet address underneath. Yeah. I, to be honest, I haven't thought about this, so I don't really have a good questions for you. Like this field of, I haven't really thought about this. So how it should be from design perspective should be handled and how it should look. Cause from what we initially kind of understood is like the wallet is the, like the, the core piece of everything so it's like you follow wallets default has a reputation has activities has uh, tokens it's 
and it's everything revolves around the wallet. So uh, that was our perception. And yeah, maybe we haven't yet committed enough thought processes to conceptualize <laughs> what would be the correct approach. It's tricky because yeah, it, an ENS could be stolen uh, or sold, or it could be upgrading your wallet security or something. I don't know. Anna, what do you think about uh, about wallet aggregation? Do you, do you see what I mean about people with multiple wallets wanting to have lots of followers? What do you think? Uh, yeah, totally makes sense. Although I have no idea how to implement that. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that we actually had this issue already because I had my wallet compromised. So I had to change, like I had to have new wallet and to transfer by ENS to the new wallet. And then I think we had some issues to with me connecting to interface because it was really it was still thinking that my old wallet had my my ENS. Right. So uh, that that, that is our bug. We okay. fixed that. <laughs> it was a bug. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I want to jump into the future of interface and alpha drop zone, but I wanted to say anybody who's in the audience, if you have questions, please feel free to make a request and I'll bring you up and you can ask questions. Because uh, I think one thing that's really cool about the story, like I said, is that it's sort of unfolding before our eyes. It's like, you know, I, you don't get to see inside of, I don't know, Etherscan's development process as much. Maybe you did back in the day, but I wasn't around. So it's very cool that sort of the, the users and the builders are right in the same place. It feels very Web3. If I may just add on this last point, is that, for example, if those who are not familiar, but we raised uh, like our initial funding from uh, Miro Crowdfund, where we published the pitch, basically it's like the entire idea at that point. And we wanted to be like fully transparent straight from the beginning, just to communicate in what we want to build, why we want to build it, how we want to build it, and so on. And yeah, we were focused a lot on um, the product, so we wanted to ship, so we were kind of fairly quiet and communicating. But now that we have kind of have the application for people to use, we kind of hope that this could be steered from like all together. So people who are using not just the users themselves, but they're actually becoming like a part of this. And then we can, they can signal virtual what uh, things to decode, what things are interested. That's actually happening right now. Because for example, for the early people who joined the interface, uh, those did something, what this like default message for the activity. It's like we literally go to this person's uh, activity and see like if they got like 100% of this something, it means like this person introduced uh, a lot of different contracts interactions that we haven't even seen before. And then we kind of try to decode everything for this person. And then so that it's like for him or her, it becomes really readable. And we kind of underneath where this is what we're doing, but we would maybe... If we communicate this better, eventually it will be like more and provide tools for the people to kind of suggest what things to build next, etc. Because we're like super transparent on this side. Like we have a Discord and everyone can provide feedback, suggest. So if somebody says they want to have like a syndicate integration or a juice box or something else, more readable, agnosis safe, etc. We are limited on resources, but like we are trying to build. How many people are you so far? Yeah, so we just grew to five. Where it used to be four, and a few weeks ago, another black engine engineer just joined us. And uh, if you don't mind disclosing, is the team global, or where where you guys uh, find yourselves in the world? Uh, so originally, well, Russians, and uh, but uh, uh, we are kind of now dispersed across the globe. We're on cool. Naya. We're right now in Georgia, Tbilisi. Awesome! Very cool. So I, I guess uh, just in line with those questions, before we jump to sort of the future of interface, etc. 
so you did this mirror crowdfund. It's interface.mirror.xyz if people want to check out the the posts. And I know you're also writing updates, uh, which people can collect as NFTs also, uh, regular inter- updates on Mirror. Um, but you're also doing sort of fundraising activities. And I think there's uh, some some thought that this will be a DAO or at least partially crowdfunded. Uh, is there anything you can disclose on that? Or if people are interested and they are excited about the app, how can they keep up with you and possibly contribute to get involved? So we believe this is going to be like a protocol, a decentralized like with a token and etc. So that there will be some people that users will be kind of once we introduce a lot more you know, writing to the chain. So it will probably make more sense to comprehend what we're like uh, envisioning in the future. Great. So uh, let's say uh, when I'm initially mentioning that we're trying to solve readability and discoverability, the latter part we believe is super super important because. For example, if right now you visit the profile, you can see the NFTs, token, tokens, uh, saves, and activities, right? So this is what you see within this pro- wallet. But uh, in the future, we'll, um, the more we integrate and etc., you'll be able to see what this person is selling. So if it's a, that, for example, if that's a DJ and or some artist, like a musician, has a concert or maybe it's dropped new album, etc., or an artist or it's a gallery that is curating some artists, etc., through the protocol like uh, event protocol or like a, some NFT or it's a zero X V four, just a, a, a listing for just for one of the NFTs, etc., you will be able to see within the profile those kind of active listings or whatever is happening. And because you're following the person, like because of that person, because you're listening to his music or her music, or you're like the art, or you following the community for certain things, you'll be able to see those kind of things directly. And that's, this is where the discoverability actually like unfolds. Because by enabling people to see like a peer-to-peer, kind of uh, what other person is uh, listing, etc. Uh, you will be able to then interact with it. So let's take, for example, 0x v4 and, uh, protocol that enables like a peer-to-peer swap of NFTs. So then you can immediately imagine that you don't really have to go to NFT marketplace that essentially provides discoverability, right? So it provides you the ability to find different collections, different like local rarities, trades, etc. But a lot of human actions, and this is our hypothesis, happen like between different people. So like one person likes this music, like this person's music. So it's really interesting like to uh, buy the ticket of her for the concert. And then by having that in the interface and be able to just to follow this uh, artist, you can transact directly and thus you wouldn't go, have to go through the marketplace fees. Like let's say take example of OpenSea 2.5 and then you'll be able to transact directly between the two and you don't need the marketplace to facilitate it. And then the interface will just inject like a small fee as like in, as a matching limited order pro- provider or like off chain or on chain. And then it will be like instead of paying 2.5, you'll be able to like to pay like 0.5 or something, depending on what would be feasible for the ecosystem. And then all those earnings will go to the token holders of the interface. And then those who will be staking, they will be getting rewarded. And so it's going to be like people will be owning piece of. Uh, interface and then those who are using it will be able to discover opportunities discover content participate in various things interact purchase uh, swap etc 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 and that's basically interesting okay so it's kind of what, what you're envisioning right now which i imagine is still you know changing all the time 
is that it'll work something like uh, looks rare, but rather than being a specific marketplace that's generating fees, you're the interface that is inserting almost like a MetaMask swap, like very small fee, maybe even smaller than MetaMask swap, and then socializing that revenue across people who have the interface token staked. And they get the interface token, I guess, by making a contribution something like a juice box or a mirror uh, crowdfund kind of thing. So I can uh, make a, a, let's say, let's call it a donation to interface. And then I can get this token that I can stake and can earn me a little bit of revenue based on all the activity that's going on when people click buttons and send transactions uh, that are transferring ETH through uh, through the app. Is that is that basically a good summary? Yeah, I would just emphasize on things of like having, like transacting, like let's say ETH through the, matching people, right? So by Discover, you will be able to match people and then they will be able to transact and discover things that they're of interest without having like a, yeah. But the model is like regarding the financial tokenomics model is, yeah, it's it's redistributing the revenue of the protocol among the token holders. So it's like the ever waiting of uh, Uniswaps, Flip, uh, Switch, etc. Yeah. I think looks are already doing that. There's a bunch of others that are redistributing the revenue among the token holders. So yeah, that's uh, essentially correct. cool. And do you think so? I guess and some portion of that would also be going to some kind of treasury that can pay the developers and keep the maintenance of the all the products it, happening. Yeah, exactly. So there will be like a, once we get we haven't yet finalized how we would like to proceed. Whether it's like going uh, retrospective, like you know. Well, most of it, like ENS, Gitcoin, uh, and the other airdrops, they're kind of optimism and so on. They have approach of like raising private capital, having building development, etc. And then retrospectively dropping based on usage, based of certain actions. And uh, once they get to the phase of uh, dropping air token, then they kind of redistribute among di- different, like uh, let's say, groups of people, whether it's investors. The core team, the contribution, ecosystem, community, users, and so on. So this is like a, um, something like retrospectively. So you have more like, somewhat control and then you can fine tune, etc. And then there's another way. It's like more like a juice box model when you have token straight away. And then you're kind of having different areas to redistribute the revenues, redistribute the in- incoming, how do you say, investments and so on among various parties, stakeholders. So we haven't yet finalized how we would like to proceed. And this is like, will be quite shortly, will make sense of what's the best way to proceed. But uh, yeah, we're really like having like an experimenting and going along and having like full transparency and giving all um, users and all community members having like an ability to invest and be part of like the interface right from the scratch. And hence when, when we publish the the crowdfund to the everyone to be able to participate in every single, let's say in traditional, it's like different rounds, but yeah. So that's something to finalize the distributions and uh, how to proceed, whether it should be retrospective or straight away uh-huh. uh, having a token. So, so basically the current status is that there's no canonical interface token really yet. There is the mirror crowdfund token, but there's also lots of NFTs floating around but still figuring it out, but headed towards this basic model. I wanted to ask uh, on behalf of uh, KMACB, Kevin McDonald, to dig a little bit deeper in the open versus closed software. And it sounds like this model that you're describing is one where you don't really need to keep any... It allows you to open source as much as possible, because as much as makes sense, basically, because 
the there's an incentive layer on top of the software that's something of a network effect around the use of the applications or whatever other interfaces you come up with for interface based on the tokens that's not strictly dependent on being the only provider of this open source software. So it should allow you to open source more. Is that right? Exactly. And this is like our whole goal as well, to be open and etc. So just to maybe provide an example of how we see it in certain things. For example, like the clients, the Android and iOS clients will be opened. And then um, a lot of data like uh, that we are currently indexing and building our own indexing, they will be coming from various decentralized uh, layers. Let's say, for example, social graphs, there's different protocols like trying to solve uh, social graphs on chain and off chain affiliated with your public, like CyberConnect, RSS3, Lens Protocol, and so on. Having this uh, social graphs built in so that the end user is actually having control and uh, custody over what people they follow. Here's actually one. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll, I will not talk about this now, but there's another really cool design. What's it called? Uh, problem that we, I think we have an idea how to solve it and we kind of solve it. But yeah, so there's the social graphs that live across all various places. So Twitter is your social graph as well. And they eventually with the blue sky, when they, we expect them to decentralize those pieces so that it will be permissionless and the end user will own them. And going back to the open source part that you asked is that uh, eventually if, uh, we are talking about token and then stakeholders receiving the part of the revenue. We would like, so if interface, as in like what the core team is building and so on, at a certain point decides to change the fee uh, of uh, what is like the interface uh, platform chain, let's say charges for NFT swaps between the users or something else. Then there will be like a, it will be first be on chain governance, so there will be token holders worried in that. But that's it because we're kind of restrained for centralized entities of. Uh, iTunes and so on, so that there, there is like no way to decentralize the uh, application. You can't just fork and just uh, uh, host your own uh, website on IPFS because it has to go through the iTunes and on, yeah, Apple Store, etc. So there, the decentralization comes from having entire code base open so anyone can actually fork and then go into uh, and publish their own interface, change maybe different things and maybe build something else. Maybe they have different engine for recommendation, maybe have various other features. And then we believe that this will be the net benefit for the space and ourselves because healthy competition is super like beneficial for us and for the users as well. So I don't know if that's... Awesome, yeah. That's very exciting. So people can basically keep up with the mirror posts, jump into the Discord and hang out and talk, hopefully get into the beta. I know you've had like an explosive uh, interest in the beta. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of applications. I think it was was 700 before and now it's 2100. uh, Wow. And you're doing them manually, right? You're verifying humanity manually? We're doing it. Sometimes Peter is doing it, sometimes me. And I, I have to say, I really enjoy doing it because I, I, like, I, I check Twitter profiles, I see who that person is. doesn't really matter, you know, we whitelist practically anyone, but as long as you have some transactions and you're not a bot, or we assume you're not a bot, so that's fine. But, you know, it's kind of like a really close, I don't know, like intimate approach. And also when we add a person and like we get notification from Discord, we have this secret channel, uh, when a new user answer, enters the app, we get notified. And then I go and follow that user in case nobody else follows him or her. So that's kind of also sweet, I think. I love this. So we t- 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to hear more about this because this feels very much like, you know, Web3 crypto, it feels like everyone's got their DMs open and it's a very personal kind of user research by being directly in contact with the people who are your earliest users. It's it's not totally foreign in startups, but it feels very central to building something that you want, not just customers, but people to actually fall in love with. Yeah, it's super sweet to DM people and actually, you know, hear positive feedback from them. Like, yeah, finally I got it. I'm so excited, you know, loving the app, etc. So it's, it's really nice. That's great. Do you guys have plans? I know we talked a little bit about, I heard people want to like, I think it was Weiju saying uh, that you wanted to like posts. I know sometimes I want to share a link to a post. Obviously, it doesn't really make sense given how few people have the app right now. But how do you think about sharing? Because I'm also partial to the idea of like uh, the meme is maybe stronger if there's limited access and it's uh, this like analog hole by which people are taking screenshots and sharing on Twitter, or whatever. I think that's like actually potentially more medically strong than uh, giving actual share links. How do you think about going forward? You know, how do people access interface outside of being inside of the app itself? So there's, I think, two parts of the question. One is regarding like in-app applic- uh, social interaction, like adding reactions and so on. So we're like possibly researching this field because we would like to introduce like ability to through the decentralized private messaging protocols to basically talk chat to each other within, within the interface so that you can talk to the wallet. So it's like a block scan, but like based on some private um, thing. Then same with reactions or like having ability to kind of attach to a transaction certain reactions. We also want to kind of bootstrap those kind of features on top of decentralized protocols so that we don't actually end commenting as well. So that it's like we don't store, we don't possess. It's like the end user has the all the all the ownership of that. So that is regarding within like the social inter the actual social interaction within the interface app that we kind of uh, looking to in- introduce in the future. So this is something where essentially like the private key uh, with which I logged in will gate, like maybe you could send me a message that only I could read. So interface itself won't have access to the messages, basically. Yeah, so it will be like peer-to-peer encrypted so that we won't store anything, we won't have any access so that we just integrate like there's like few protocols that are building those and we'll just bootstrap on top of that. And this is like a beautiful nature of Web3 is that for example, the, we don't have any identity. We don't have anything. We're just using wallets, and uh, for identity, we're using NS. So it's like we're just uh, utilizing existing protocols and data, and we're just boost, bootstrapping a whole set of features on top of that, and also adding adoption to, let's say, NS. So it's like super nice because it's like permissionless building. We don't ask anyone for AP, API keys, for example, or we can just build, and data is already there. And we just play around with it, uh, see what uh, what's useful, what can bring value to us, and to it's now it's not just us because initially when we were building it was just us, but now it's like we have people who are using the app, so it's pretty cool that yeah, I mean some already people, find it useful. people want to set their ENS avatars because of what it looks like in interface, so it's already having an impact on increasing engagement with sort of deeper features of ENS, and presumably that's going to happen all over the place. I'm excited to see more of the snapshot stuff and. Uh, yeah, contributions to different platforms. Okay, so I cut you off. There was a second part, which is sharing off of the app. How, how are you thinking about that? So one thing we we're thinking well, that would be really cool, apart from sharing your own like profile, so there will be like maybe some sort of you be able to share the what's it called, the, any transaction or any profile or any safe, etc. And there will be like a web view 
so they will be like readable. So instead of like sending somebody an Etherscan transaction like page, you'll be sending them interface transaction page that will be kind of mirroring what is shown within the app. So it will be super human friendly and readable. And then you'll be able to just share it across the web. And if you open up from the mobile, it will just deep link to it to the actual component within the application or the screen. But this is, mm, we're not doing it yet because we have like, this will only make sense once they, it's in public. So it's not past the uh, test flight. So it's like anyone can actually then go and download the app. So that's when this like virality will be able to make sense to share. And not just virality, but I think it will introduce a lot of value if you just drop somebody uh, readable uh, purchase of NFT and they'll be like, the person purchased this for this much on, and et cetera. It don't make sense. Yeah, selfishly, so, what I want is to be able to share a transaction and then hopefully gain some followers. So it would be, I don't know, that seems a little bit complicated if people are, let's say, looking at the like a tweet on their computer and where they're not logged into interface. I'm not sure how that, how that a follow could propagate back to their client until there is some kind of total browser-based view for the logged in state. But uh, yeah, I think part part of what makes me want to be able to share links is I want to defeat Dame on that leaderboard. <laughs> But we can add one within the web view without even having fully fleshed like writing capabilities and etc. We could just add the right big button to download the app and it will let you download and follow. So if you down, but let's say I was on a computer and I accessed that, I would still have to like uh, airdrop it to my phone or something, right? Yeah, probably go through the stores. Interesting. I wonder what the best way would be. It seems kind of, I guess the best way is just to make it so desirable to follow me that people will go through the pain of transferring it or having a web version but that requires more yeah that's, people. A, whole, that's a whole thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was, i'm thinking about what snapchat did in this domain i guess like scannable qr codes and things obviously eventually some kind of web version but that seems like a whole job and part of what makes interface so cool is that it, it does have the notifications it has all the benefits of being a mobile app and it's with me everywhere I, I still think that's a great choice uh, and so unusual in the space. Most things are, are so web-based and so desktop-oriented. Yeah, this was like our understanding. It's that the nature of the information should be like that is coming towards you. It's just one of the pains that we can experience by participating in various protocols and governance and so on is that you always end up going to various platforms to obtain the information instead of the information coming to you and then be able to like make sense of it once it's like arrived to you. So it's like one of the things why we built, like we decided to go with mobile. So it's like super, it's always like if you want, it comes to you basically. If somebody made a snapshot proposal or voting, you'll be able to get notified for that so that you don't have to actively go every week to different governance protocols or seeing like what people have purchased and so on, or what tokens is new. And we actually, I think, I don't know, I personally, uh, I kind of like done some actions, a lot of actions actually, based off what I see in the interface feed. So, mm-hmm. for example, I saw somebody claim like Noah Zynester from the Uniswap, uh, he claimed Forta and I was like messaging straight away, like what is this Forta thing? And then I ended up understanding that I was contributing to some uh, open uh, Web3 repositories and I got that drop as well and they were dropping to the GitHub uh, contributors and the, actually in our entire team, team got dropped 1000 of Forta for they had a thing uh, similar to the open Optimism drop but they had the criteria of having a multi-sig uh, mm-hmm. owner uh, sign signature so this is like how we 
knew about this for the thing just through this. There's, we wouldn't find out about it any other way, I think. Right. So well, I guess, at, I guess at that time. It seems like there's a lot of potential for the messaging thing around this where you can be like, see, see a transaction and then message it to a friend. What is this? Message directly to the person who executed the transaction. Tell me what it is. Yeah, for sure. So it's like, I don't know, we envision it's going to be like two parts, I think, eventually. It's going to be decentralized, some sort of like, um, let's say maybe WeChat with everything like the messaging wallet within built in and all but all but bootstrap off top of decentralized web three technologies and uh, protocols and interfacing with all the decentralized DeFi and all other things. And on the other side of the kind of that is powering it all, it will be more like on we perceive maybe something like, I don't know, powerful ability to kind of NOS or something like that. So the model, like what the recent idea was, for example, if you're familiar with Notion or like any type, it enables you to kind of build uh, for on top of different primitives. So like they have components, pages, you can link databases, different pieces of types. And there, there's another pl- platform, any type that kind of uh, goes even beyond that and it provides your ability to kind of build any type. So you can like define your own type, let's say a book, uh, an article, and then you can like put that into the database, have the relation between those. And you can basically record and have add structure to any sort of pieces of um, information, whatever activities, uh, agendas, and so on. So eventually from this perspective of how this thing is powered, like we have labels, we have decoders, we have all sort of things that is like part of the social graph, et cetera, and views, the components that are like readable. And like you see like the, this is like the component of NFT, this is like component of collection and so on. And so on one side, this is what I mean, like the interface itself will be like the front-facing user experience, like a wallet, uh, messaging, P2P, being able to purchase, interact with all sort of protocols, discovering people, finding all sort of stuff, reading articles on Mirror and so on. And on the other side, this OS, it will be like uh, people, decoders will be coming to this, uh, there will be views, the components will be built up by the people, so there will be different UIs bootstrap on top of the data. This is more like three years, I think, into the future. But I think that's maybe that's how maybe that's how it's gonna play out. Things change, so I don't bet on this, but it's just just few of things that we kinda foresee maybe. So the three year future you're envisioning is one where the people are submitting decodings of transaction and other API related data associated with wallets. And what was the other piece? Yeah, so one is the data provision. So like the social graph will come from different social graphs. The feeds activities will come from somebody like RSS3. Then taking token possessions will come from another third party. Mm. Then somebody will be building like an engine algorithm suggestion. So there'll be different DAOs and teams that will be take publicly available tokens and social graphs and build a suggest engine because they're super good at AI. And we're not because we're, we're just like, Iterating, but you'll be able to within the interface, you'll be able to switch between different algorithm providers for your suggestions. So instead of having relying on Web two, a single like let's say like the the monopoly of um, the feed that is basically shown to you by this provide this platform in Web three, this will be different entities will be having competencies in various of these fields. Because the data itself lives on chain or publicly available and it's self-custodial and it's permissionless building, that means that all sort of different people can then build on top of that and compose. And for example, in social area, there will be lots of like 
engines to suggest you uh, different people, different uh, pieces, different art, different, so based of things that you do. And there will be like different providers of those things. And there will be like DAOs, there'll be companies, there'll be different entities that will provide those. And within the interface, you'll be able to kind of integrate those. And going back to, sorry, I just, there was a slight thing that I just, yeah, just told as well. So, yeah, and then going back to the, the part of people submitting decoders and etc. This is like on data side, and also then there is also the view side. So that is if you want to kind of build the views and uh, kind of compose different. So it's like having ability to um, kind of build what's what was like the the raw data and then turn it into like uh, components that are. Uh, let's say this is like a token transfer. This is there'll be like this is like a text piece. This is like an image, and then so the UIs will be also driven by the communities themselves. So maybe I don't know exactly how it's going to play out on different platforms, but you can imagine that there'll be for the same data. There will be lots of different UIs that try and like they'll be showing those kind of things and in different ways. And then it could be maybe like a public library of components that will be kind of yeah. It's a bit hard to imagine, but I think any type is kind of is like the closest to to this. It's I think it's a super cool approach. They kind of went even further the notion in that uh, kind of aspect. I think this it's is anytype.io. Any yes. Cool. I'm gonna have to check this out. All right. I think we kind of covered the the most of the subjects. I don't know if there's anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to to bring up either Weiju or Anna. Um, one last question I had was um, I floated this idea a little while ago about you know, maybe if you've made a donation and you've used the app in the last 24 hours that your your icon could glow or something. I think it's in this general area of uh, like flexing within the interface app based on your maybe depth of connection to the interface project uh, and also maybe your activity on chain. It also makes me think about uh, this this whole setting your avatar thing. Definitely using interface makes you want to have an avatar, but I think if it continues to grow in the way that uh, it has been, and I imagine it could be, I could see actually wanting to change my avatar really kind of frequently, uh, maybe equally as frequently as I update my Twitter avatar with getting new PFP projects and things. How do you think about the users uh, in interface and how they, I guess, relate to one another in terms of this kind of flex potential? I think we're definitely taking this into account and already have some designs done. We'll be dropping an NFT soon. And those who hold that NFT, uh, their profiles will be a little bit different. Cool. So yeah, all the other users could see that that person is, you know, special. He, she holds uh, an interface NFT. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to have to, going to have to keep my eyes open for that. Uh, and I'm going to have to reread again, the, uh, the mirror post. Cause I think there was some alpha in there. I saw, I saw one cool thing in there. A hundred, uh, there's a 300% increase in discord members and whatever the past period is, uh, putting you in the top, uh, 75 communities on guild XYZ, uh, which is a kind of interesting stat and you can go see what all the top communities are on guild. So it's, it's very exciting to see the growth of Interface, and I'm, I'm always happy to talk to you about the project. Yeah, just to add, if you read the article, look at the header image, there might be something there. <laughs> I see edition 01, interesting. Okay, so if, uh, if people want to catch up with Interface, uh, it's interfaced uh, with a D app. Uh, on Twitter, uh, Discord, where else should they go? Yeah, our Twitter and Discord. You can also submit, uh, if you have, you're have, you not inside yet, you could submit uh, an application uh, on interface.social. Uh, and we are working through those. 
then we yeah i think that's about it yeah discord uh, we try to communicate everything through the discord and also twitter so uh, we are also linkedin if you're into that kind of thing wow <laughs> <laughs> yep we were just yeah, we were joking around. that's pretty funny you're gonna be the biggest web3 app on on linkedin for sure <laughs> optimus have a linkedin actually Really? Gnosis is also quite active there, yeah, I think. I mean, it's probably not silly. Like, we can make fun of it, but there probably is quite a bit of activity that happens based on, on what people are talking about on LinkedIn. Okay, great. So interface.social, uh, check out the Discord, etc. And I'd love to have you back on in uh, a few months or something to catch up and see everything that's changed. Things are moving so fast. It's, it's very exciting. Thank you. Thank you also for supporting us and, you know, tweeting about us. That helps a lot. We can now say that we actually have certain level of revenue. So, so it's like a, as a process of stage of development of the application, we're not only post product, we also post revenue because we sold to, if you guys don't know, the Nicholas and I think Anton bought um, our loaders within. So we like this, like a component when in areas that are have not yet been developed. And in future, those will be probably like just loading pieces. So it's like, Within the application, uh, people that kind of land on this com- on view where the loader is shown, they it's underneath is an NFT, so it's like an NFT view, so you can just kind of interact it with the same way with any other NFT. So you'll see that who is the token, who is the holder, etc. So, yeah, yeah, I bought the dark mode version, so I'm curious. Uh, I guess it'll be interesting. We'll see. Hopefully, the dark mode. I mean, it seems like dark mode. <laughs> More people like dark mode. I don't know. It'll be interesting though. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Anna Weiju, for coming through, and I'll talk to you soon. And thanks, everybody, for coming through to listen. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Web3 Galaxy Brain. To keep up with everything Web3, follow me on Twitter, at Nicholas, with four leading ends. You can find links to the topics discussed on today's episode in the show notes. Podcast feed links are available at web3galaxybrain.com. Web3 Galaxy Brain airs live most Friday afternoons at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2200 UTC on Twitter Spaces. I look forward to seeing you there.